are entering the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on podbean.com and the Podbean app. Um, Great interview I got to do with Dr. Jerry Williams. He is an author. He is an entrepreneur. He is a certified neurosurgeon, and he took the time to sit and talk with me about the things that he has learned the last two years of treating COVID-19. But before we get into the interview, let me tell you about American Pride Roasters. They are still not roasting any coffee after the big tornado, but they're still working on it. And uh, Dave has got some stuff lined out where hopefully he's going to be back into roasting soon. But, you know, till then, just keep them in your prayers. Him, Faith, their amazing dog, Clarence, and just be watching AmericanPrideRoasters.com. That way, when they start roasting coffee, You'll be able to get your orders in, and believe me, I'm looking forward to getting my Thomas Paine and the all-Arabica, or not all-Arabica, all-Robusto, just throw away common sense, whatever they call that blend, just pure caffeine. Oh, my God, I need more of it. That's American Pride Roasters, historically great coffee. So I am happy to have as a guest, Dr. Jerry Williams. He is, his bio is something to behold. He's an entrepreneur. He's an author. He is a doctor, obviously, pediatric neurologist. He you know, found one of the biggest uh, uh, urgent care systems in Savannah, urgent care 24-7. I mean, this guy has done it all. Uh, Dr. Williams, welcome to the Tyler Morgan Show. Wow, thank you so much. I need to keep you around for my ego. <laughs> I I was just trying to get through the bio they sent me uh, uh, from when they're setting up everything. It's like, holy cow, just check all the boxes. So uh, the biggest thing that we're mm-hmm. wanting to talk about is uh, your new book, uh, Fight COVID and Win. And I'm assuming this is all about early intervention. Yes. Yes, sir. It's my early treatment of a viral infection that for some reason, for the first time since the advent of antibiotics, antimicrobials, uh, antivirals, antifungals, antiparasitics, for some reason or another, medicine has decided, not sure who, uh, that we shouldn't treat early and aggressively. We should wait until the patients are really, really sick and then start trying to treat the infection once once the cow is out of the proverbial barn. Right. And I've seen so many people in my life who've been affected with COVID. Um, you know, early on in all of that, my wife had it. And I was so flippant about it at the time, it's like, uh, all the kids stay away from her. I'm going to sleep in the bed next door. And I never got it. it. It wasn't until a year and a half later 
when Omicron is going around that it, the whole house got hit with it at that point. Yeah. Omicron is uh, incredibly contagious. Uh, but unfortunately doesn't seem to be uh, as, as deadly as uh, earlier variants uh, of COVID were. Right. And, and just kind of watching everything. I said, my wife had it and originally it was one of those like, okay, I've gotten up. She's a teacher. She did all of her teaching online, and then by the time she was done, all of her energy was gone. She just went back to bed, and it didn't seem that bad. But my next-door neighbor, who's 80 years old, he got it, and he spent 10 days in the hospital, you know, developed a, a bacterial pneumonia on top of the COVID infection, and, you know, it, it liked to kill him. Yeah, you know, I uh, I tell people, if you tell me which patients are going to have a difficult time with COVID, uh, I'll treat those and only those, and the ones that aren't going to have a difficult time with COVID, uh, we'll leave those, uh, hang on, I'm going to get to where it's got a little bit better quiet. Um, we, will, uh, we won't treat those patients. The problem is, is that there's no way to tell uh, which patients are going to do poorly uh, and which ones are going to do well. Now, you can look at comorbidities, uh, like other diseases that put patients at increased risk, like bad reactive airway disease or asthma, bad COPD, uh, uh, obesity, uh, and, and uh, not a disease, but just the elderly in general, like your neighbor there, um, are at increased risk to do poorly from COVID. But then, you know, we get the occasional 33-year-old who has no comorbid conditions at all. And, and dies from the disease, and it's just it's it's uh, it's heartbreaking, it's shocking. But we've learned a lot about the virus now, so we and we address a lot of this in the book. Well, we address all of it in the book. There are things you can do to optimize your health, so when you get this virus, you're less likely to have a problem with it. Right. Um. I know standard um health hygiene. You know, if you're taking vitamins, you're you know if you're person who's not out in the sun a lot, take vitamin D, vitamin C. Um, during, I know a lot of people during cold season, they'll take zinc just because zinc seems to be effective on preventing colds and even knocking it out quick. Um, what kind of a, you know, health hygiene stuff would you recommend? Well, the first thing uh, is you want to optimize your weight, make sure you're not too heavy. You want to limit alcohol intake. You, if you're smoking, you want to get off of tobacco immediately. And then uh, the vitamins are actually very specific. Um, the the vitamin uh, D3 is, if I tell people if you had to pick one thing, vitamin D3 is the thing when it comes to COVID-19. The problem is, is I've got patients who uh, work outdoors and are uh, Caucasian, very light-skinned, I bring that up because the darker complected uh, races don't convert vitamin D3 from sun exposure as well as as uh, lighter skinned races do. So African Americans, for example, their sun exposure means very little because they have so much melanin in their skin that it's blocking. So there's there's not a lot of vitamin D conversion in those patients. 
But uh, even the patients who are, are, are Caucasian, they uh, are at increased risk because uh, vitamin D3 is kind of a hard uh, vitamin, number one, to absorb uh, orally, parenterally uh, through the gut. But it's also, even if you have sun exposure, you cannot have as high of a vitamin D3 level as I'm comfortable with in the face of a COVID infection. But it's interesting because we've learned a lot about vitamin D3 uh, from the pandemic, but it's also brought to light information about vitamin D3 that we knew about prior to the pandemic, but this has brought it to the forefront that for a healthy immune system, a, a, a high 60 plus uh, vitamin D3 level is incredibly helpful for numerous cancer prevention, uh, 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 our avoidance, uh, and um, and then in the case of COVID uh, infection, I tell people if you've got a vitamin D three level of greater than sixty, and you've got a vitamin D twelve level of twelve hundred plus, it's really hard to die of COVID. You got to try to die of COVID <laughs> if with those levels. So um, those are the two. Those are two very important vitamins. We take uh, vitamin C. Um, uh, and then the minerals, uh, zinc being a, a very important one, as you've already mentioned. We know that zinc binds to the uh, mRNA transcriptase, uh, which is the enzyme that the coronavirus uses to replicate itself. And when that zinc ion binds electrically to that uh, molecule, it alters that molecule just a little bit, just enough, however, to make it uh, that enzyme ineffective. So it renders that enzyme uh, uh, useless to replicate the virus. So that's why you can go to your local pharmacy and see Zycam on the shelf, and it says, uh, clinically proven to reduce colds. Well, cold, colds, the common cold is a coronavirus. So the zinc commonality there is definitely there, and it's very real. It's legitimate. Um, what's interesting, though, is how uh, a controversial drug, hydroxychloroquine, and its first cousin, chloroquine, both of which are anti-malarial drugs and have other uses as well. Hydroxychloroquine, for example, is used in many autoimmune diseases like lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, etc. What, what had been discovered long before the COVID-19 pandemic uh, is that these patients that... Um, that take hydroxychloroquine, they are uh, they do better because hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine is a uh, ionophore, and an ionophore actually opens up a pore in the cell wall of the human cell, and it allows zinc to flow um, from outside the cell to inside the cell, and that gives you increased levels of zinc intracellularly in the cell. Well, that's where the virus is doing its damage. That's where it's replicating. That's where it's reproducing itself. So that's why zinc is really important. But uh, we encourage patients to do a good multivitamin, uh, magnesium, zinc, B12, D3, as we've discussed. Um, it's interesting, Tyler, uh, I've never been a, um, a, a vitamin pusher as a doctor. I've told people, ah, you know, and I'm talking about these are normal folks, not somebody who's at risk for a particular vitamin deficiency, because I'm actually a child and adult neurologist. I see patients 
for example, who have peripheral neuropathy, uh, just as one example, related to vitamin B12 deficiency. But people who are at non-increased risk for vitamin deficiencies, I'll tell them, look, just take a good multivitamin once a day. It's not going to hurt you. Eat a well-balanced diet. That multivitamin will give you expensive urine because uh, you're going to pee out what you don't need. But, you know, it may help you and it won't hurt you. But in the face of of COVID, I've changed completely um, because we know how important vitamin D3, vitamin B12, zinc, and magnesium, uh, vitamin K2 is incredibly important. So we know and, and even supplements like quercetin are incredibly important to patients' ability to fight off the coronavirus yeah, huh? it kind of lagged really bad there. So you're saying about the the quercetin? Yeah, quercetin, you know, is a interesting uh, substance. You know, it's found in uh, leafy vegetables and nuts, and it's actually a supplement you buy it over the counter. It's interesting, uh, you know, the NIH published a paper on the effects of quercetin with uh, COVID-19, with the coronavirus, and I actually reviewed that paper, reviewed it, reviewed it on YouTube and got banned for two weeks for reviewing an NIH-published paper, if you can imagine that. Um, Fascism is alive and well. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That whole First Amendment thing is totally overrated. Tyler, I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that when I try to share the audio of this uh, as a video file on YouTube, it's not going to last very long. Uh, and you know what, Tyler? I got to tell you something. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be damn proud of that. <laughs> well, I mean, I've already got like seven or eight episodes on Spotify that as I scroll through it, it's like, oh, there's COVID warning. Oh, there's COVID warning. Oh, there's COVID warning. Yeah, that's a badge of honor. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'll tell you that history history will prove that we were correct. History will prove it. I'm convinced of it. So quercetin is a really interesting supplement. And uh, it, it, it's important. Um, and, and actually, take I take quercetin daily, uh, 500 milligrams daily. Um but we also understand that there seems to be an interesting um, symbiotic relationship with quercetin and ivermectin that isn't well understood, but uh, uh, there seems to be a relationship between that supplement and ivermectin, which is interesting. Right. And ivermectin has always been a fun one to watch people lose their minds over on social media because, oh, it's horse paste. It's horse paste. Like, well, it was invented for people before animals and if it's not effective against viruses, why have they been using it to treat yellow fever for 10 years? Well, it's interesting because, you know, the, the doctor who and doctors who discovered it and uh, they want to know about five score. First right. Of all. Um, but uh, yeah, but, you know, it's an incredibly safe drug when taken appropriately, just like a lot of drugs. I mean, if you, you can overdose on Tylenol and it'll kill you. Um, and I've actually seen that happen, by the way. But it, it's um, uh, ivermectin, 
there's there's in, in impressive data, uh, meta-analysis data that shows that ivermectin helps. Now, a recent paper did come out in the New England Journal of Medicine, and there have been multiple studies that have looked at ivermectin. It's interesting because when we look at the, the study designs, the plan designs for those uh, studies, it's like they designed it to fail. Right. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll use a, a incredibly low dose, or they'll do something that that designs it to fail. It's interesting because the the, the British were doing a study on ivermectin, and uh, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, uh, they had to halt the study because there was a a challenge in availability of the study drugs. Huh. Well, come on, man. There's so much ivermectin around. It, it's it's almost as uh, you the sand. Um, it's a good, certainly there was there was a demand for ivermectin, but let me assure you, I was able to buy ivermectin in the U.S. I can guarantee you that the the, the British could have provided uh, ivermectin if it was important to them. So they literally uh, put a pause on the study, claiming that they couldn't get their hands on ivermectin, which was just absolutely absurd. So there seems to be something, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist kind of guy, just FYI, but um, I also would tell you just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're not being followed. Right. Um, and I'm convinced that 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 big money, big pharma has gotten involved in this, um, and it's absolutely shocking. Um, maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but I am that the well-being of people has been put behind the almighty dollar. And as usual, I've had people ask me, they go, you know, what do you think? I'm like, follow the money. It always leads to the problem. Right. And it's like, uh, what was was the antiviral they were pushing? Uh, can't think of off the top of my head. Remdesivir. 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 It was first studied to treat Ebola. They stopped using it on Ebola. They stopped using it for Ebola because it was causing kidney failure in Ebola patients. Well, it also it was actually originally used as a um, HIV drug. Oh, even better! Another group of people let's let's shut down their kidneys. Well, I tell you, um, I don't. We we haven't used them does with beer, um, you know. And our position has been: let's keep the patient from getting so sick that they end up in the hospital. Right. We were trying to lessen the impact on the health system by treating patients early and aggressively. We treated over 2,200 patients. COVID up until the latest um, uh, Omicron outbreak was a 3% hospitalization illness. 3% of the people that got the disease ended up in the hospital. So with 2,200 patients in our treated arm, uh, we should have seen Instead, there's three options for what's going on here. Number one, I'm lying about my data. Let me assure you I'm not. Number two, I could be the luckiest doctor in the world. I assure you I'm not. Number three, and the final option is that these protocols work and they're helping with the disease. But I'll tell you, Tyler, it's it's interesting. You've got to treat these patients early. Have you ever had the flu, Tyler? Oh, plenty of times. Okay. Has your doctor or nurse practitioner or whomever you see, have they ever put you on Tamiflu? Never. 
Okay, Tamiflu is a great drug. It's an antiviral drug. And if you take it in the first 48 to 72 hours, it really makes a huge difference in lessening the severity of the illness, influenza, and, uh, and, and shortens the length of the illness. You don't get as sick. You don't stay sick as long when you're treated early. I mean, think about every infection you've ever had in your life, whether it's uh, infected ingrown toenail, whether it's a strep throat, whether it's bronchitis, whatever. Take your pick. Um, urinary tract infection. When did you ever go to the doctor? The doctor goes, ah, you have an infection. But let's wait five to seven to ten days and see if you get really, really sick, and then we'll, we'll put you on treatment. Then we'll treat you. We've never done that. So right. why do we do that for COVID? It makes no sense. So what we have found is these drugs, by the way, that they'll test in the hospital patient through a death door, and they'll go, oh, it doesn't work. Well, yeah, you let the patient get so sick that, no, at that point, they're ineffective. But if you treat patients who are early in the viral illness, guess what? These drugs work. And so we have continuously added to our protocol as we learn more. I've had people ask me, Tyler, they go, why didn't you publish your data? Well, because our, our protocol kept changing. We added to the protocol as we learned more and more about the disease. So we added fluvoxamine. We added fenofibrate. We added additional drugs as we learned that they made up an important uh, uh, effect against the virus. So that was why we couldn't publish the data, because we were a moving target. We don't apologize for that. Our goal was not to do basic science research. Our goal was to save people's lives, number one, by starting by keeping them out of the hospital. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. I want to talk to you about Keto Chow. Keto Chow is a small company out of Utah that uses the absolute best ingredients to make the absolute best weight loss products available on the market. Their first goal is flavor. Who wants to drink something as a meal replacer that tastes like crap? Keto Chow understands that this is a hard barrier for a lot of companies to break through, so they have some of the best flavors. Cookies and cream, chocolate, vanilla, real strawberry. These are the best shakes I've ever had. I've been using them for a few months now, and they are amazing. So go to the link in the show notes, check it out. You can search for recipes on how you can use their Keto Chow products to make amazing foods that taste amazing and help with your weight loss goals. KetoChow.xyz. Keto made easy. Right. And there are so many people that throughout the course of the pandemic that they would see doctors who would say, okay, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. It's having a positive effect. 
and they immediately resort back to, well, where's the, where's the double blind peer review study on it? It's like, uh, if they're doing it and it's working, we that's all the study you need. We didn't have time for no. that. And we, well, we didn't have time. Let me, let me give an example. I beg your pardon for interrupting. Let me no, give an fine. example. All of these EUA drugs had, had studies that they got EUAs for that were, would never have passed FDA criteria to give to patients. Okay, for example, uh, uh, citrovimab. Uh, had, I think, a 1,000 patients in the study. I think it was a 1,000. I mean, it, it, there was nowhere near uh, enough data to get through FDA scrutiny had it not been an emergency situation. Right. And I'm not being critical of that. But what I'm, what I'm saying is don't be a hypocrite. Yeah. Why, why do you throw the randomized uh, uh, placebo-controlled double-blinded studies at the inexpensive drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and 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 why do you hold that drug to a different standard than you hold the drugs that are seven hundred and fifty dollars a dose that the the drug company is going to make a lot of money off of? That's inexcusable. So it, it's interesting because again, I you know I, I I see money as being the root of all evil on this, and and I'm not an anti-capitalist. I'm very much a capitalist, but. You know, as, as President Trump said, he goes, you know, if people are dying, what do we have to lose? For example, in the case of hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil is the other name for it, people start saying, oh, it's an unsafe drug. It's an unsafe drug. That's ridiculous. Plaquenil is FDA approved in pregnant women in all three trimesters of pregnancy. And let me tell you something. The most difficult patient in the world to treat with a drug is a, is a woman who's in her first trimester of pregnancy. Because you're really treating two patients. You're treating the, the patient and you're treating the fetus who, that is in its developmental stages of, of, grow, of, of being formed and growing. So that is the most difficult patient to treat. Plaquenil is FDA approved in the first, second, and third trimesters of pregnancy. So this argument about Plaquenil wasn't safe is total, total hogwash. Right. And going back to looking at these studies and how – uh, some of them were set up to fail in Brazil. This, this is like the, the mind blower of the studies that I've seen. They wanted to do a study on early treatment with ivermectin. They were giving ivermectin mm -hmm. to patients who had already been sick for seven, eight, nine days and well beyond, well beyond what would be considered early treatment. It's like, Oh, it doesn't work. It's like, uh, duh. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but I can figure this out here. Yeah, you have you have common sense, and unfortunately, many people in medicine don't, or they just assume that those lay people don't have common sense, and they're not going to use it, and that's an incorrect assumption. Right, and and I think that's been like one of the biggest kicks in the teeth for the average person who can look at data and say, okay, this doesn't seem to make sense. Can you better explain it? And then we get told, shut up peasant. You don't need, just take our word for it. And it's like, um, position of authority fallacy much. Well, I'll share this with you too. My biggest disappointment actually comes from within the medical community. The fact that so many physicians were 
a party to this atrocity of not treating patients thoroughly, number one. I'll tell you this, Howard, it never crossed my mind not to do my own research, not to look for ways to help my patients. I took a Hippocratic oath to my patients, not to the CDC, not to the FDA, certainly not to a damn drug company, not to a medical board, and, and, and not to any other third party, certainly not to an insurance company either. I took a Hippocratic oath to my patients. So I immediately got busy doing the research. I found the paper on hydroxychloroquine chloroquine and its anti-coronavirus uh, properties uh, in early March of 2020. I immediately notified my congressman, who's the only sitting congressman who is also a pharmacist. He immediately got me in touch with the FDA and the CDC, had me talk with a senior medical official in both of those organizations. They both told me, yes, we're familiar with the paper. We're working on it. We're looking at it. I said, do you have any reason to tell me why I shouldn't be using this to try it compassionately on sick uh, COVID patients? They said, no, we don't have a reason to tell you that. And then the next thing I know, uh, it's getting uh, demonized by the press when the orange man said, hey, what do we have to lose? It's a safe drug. We need to be looking at this. I'll tell you something. It really disappoints me that physicians didn't stand up for what was right, number one, because physicians should be the leaders of the medical community. Tell you number, another thing, second thing that really disappointed the hell out of me, and it shocked the hell out of me too. I have always, always, always felt that pharmacists were my partner, my teammate in taking care of my patients. I mentioned earlier, our, my congressman is from the first congressional district of Georgia, Buddy Carter. He's a uh, he's a pharmacist. He's the only pharmacist in Congress. And I had to call Congressman Carter, and I said, Congressman, you're not going to believe this. Pharmacists are literally refusing to fill my hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin prescriptions for my patients. And he said, that's inexcusable. And he, got, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to buy hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and put it in every clinic I own in America. Because, by the way, we're in Arizona, Texas, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, get right open in Ohio, a national company. So we bought it. We put it in every clinic. And we made pharmacists optional. Right, And I can't believe I'm having to say that. I can't believe I'm having to say that. We basically had to kick pharmacists to the curb because they were getting in the way of us treating our patients. And I, I asked pharmacists, I said, oh, so you're not going to fill my prescription. So I guess you're going to turn me over to the Georgia Composite Medical Board. Uh, no, why would I do that? Well, because you're failing to fill my prescription, you're telling me and the public that you have to protect the public from my prescribing habits. Never happened in my entire career, I might add. Right, and so there, there's a federal... you're not going to fill my prescription... No, go on. I'm sorry? <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, right now, there's actually a... Uh, so I... I was going to say, there's a federal lawsuit going on right now against Walmart because uh, there's a patient in Minnesota was prescribed ivermectin by a doctor to treat covid and they refused they refused to fill it the doctor tried calling the pharmacist to say hey what are you doing and the pharmacist at walmart just hung up on the doctor and so the yeah no that happened to me that happened to me many times and and i insisted that the pharmacist report me to the medical board none of them had the guts to do it or, or some other bodily appendage that will go unnamed right now. They didn't have it to do it. And I told them, I said, no. I, said, I told them, I said, you can have two options. Fill the prescription or report me to the medical board, one or the other. 
but none of them had the guts to do it. And I, have, I, I lost all respect for pharmacists for this. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Because I asked him, I go, did you examine the patient? No. Did you have a conversation with a patient about off-label use of this medication? No. Did you did you interview this patient to get a thorough history of the, from the patient, the medical history and the history of the patient? No. So you didn't examine the patient. You didn't talk to the patient. You didn't discuss off-label use with the patient. But you're going to refuse to fill the prescription. Yes. That, I'm sorry. That's bullshit. Absolutely. And so, you know, it, they don't like me holding them accountable. And I told them, I go, look, you got two, you got one job for me. Put the pills in the damn bottle. That's your job. That's your job. And if you can't do your job because you think I'm an unsafe prescriber, it's your next job to report me to the medical board. None of them would do it. I said, no, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna fill that prescription, report me. Yeah. None I mean, of them. And, and it's disgusting. ridiculous that. Despicable, disgusting. And it's ridiculous that patients are this entire time been told, well, yeah, you're sick, go home and it, come, you know, go, go to Walgreens. Yeah. Go, go to Walgreens and buy a little pulse ox meter. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, of course. Yeah, thing, thing. <laughs> and then you go to the hospital and then they won't let your family see you. They won't let your family advocate for you. And if you try to advocate for an inpatient, they try to criminalize you. I, the whole thing is just disgusting. It's despicable. Right. And the really the worst part of all the pandemic, it has not been the illness. It has not been the death. It has been the criminalization of doctors wanting to treat their patients. It has been bureaucracies that have been taking over medicine. You, know, you you have federal government telling doctors who know their patients, have an intimate relationship with their patients, no, you can't do this because we're big daddy government and we say so. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, the physicians are to blame for that because the they allowed it. let it happen. I can, yeah, but you know what, I didn't. And I know other physicians who didn't. And uh, I can tell you right now, there's not a single patient that didn't get treatment. I made damn sure they got treated even if I had to go out and buy the medicine and provide the medicine to the patient myself, I made sure that patients got treated. So there are, there are physicians out there that stood up, but by far it's the minority. And thank God there were doctors like you who have been willing to, you know, look at a pharmacist and put, say, all right, I'll put my medical license on the line because I, my patient means more to yeah. me than, you know, you selling a more expensive drug than a 50 cent a dose pill. Correct. Correct. I will tell you this though: the only ivermectin I could get was brand necessary for my for my supplier, and it cost me six dollars a pill. And I sold it for seven dollars a pill to cover my overhead on that pill. Right. So just for complete transparency, complete transparency, we we paid six dollars a pill for the brand necessary ivermectin. We sold it for seven dollars a pill. No apologies. That's not an unreasonable markup. No. That's not gouging. That was covering our overhead. Yeah, and and there's some uh, talk hosts that I listen to that they were putting out places that uh, people could go to get ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, you know, online, and they straight up said the government is creating a black market on some of these drugs, and so. Mm-hmm. It sucks. You're going. You're going to pay a huge markup for it, and we're telling you that up front because they're telling me that, and because 
they're having to pay a premium just to get it to, you know, sell it to you. And who would have thought a cheap, ineffective or ineffective, inexpensive drug that is effective would suddenly be getting priced at the levels of some of these name brands still under, you know, yep. Well, I was having to buy the actual name brand uh, uh, ivermectin. Let me see if I've got some right here. Yeah, I've got some right here. Um, yeah, this is what I was having to buy, Stromectol. Right. Um, and I was and I was paying $6 a pill for this. So this box has 20 tablets. This box here cost me 120 bucks. Wow. I sold it for 140 I sold it for 140 I paid. A, I, I asked people to please pay me a dollar per pill. To cover my shipping, my uh, uh, dispensing, and and my overhead of putting it in my system and taking it out, which I actually have to pay for that system to do that, uh, and my staff to make sure that they dispensed it properly and labeling. That was that was a dollar per pill. So uh, yeah, it was a markup of uh, less than twenty percent. So what is that about sixteen percent, seventeen? Yeah, something like that. Something like that, which I didn't think was. That's not unreasonable. That's no. not unreasonable. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a frustrating uh, uh, deal. Um, and then we've got this new BA two Omicron variant that's getting ready to hit here. Uh, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as what we've dealt with previously. Um, I think there's a lot of immunity out there, both from uh, vaccines and from post-infection uh, acquired immunity. So I don't think it's going to be as bad, but uh, it's, the the BA two variant uh, is even more um, uh, contagious than BA one, and then you may or may not know that we've got the XD variant uh, in the background raising its nasty head, which is an interesting variant because it's not a uh, a mutation derived variant; it is a uh, a uh, recombinant variant, meaning. That in the same cell there was BA1 and BA2, <laughs> excuse me, and and at the same time, and they were prominent, uh, merged and and formed this new variant that has properties of BA1 and BA2, not through mutation, but because they were uh, reproducing uh, uh, in the same cell at the same time. So it's an interesting variant. And that variant appears to be about 10% more uh, contagious than the BA2 variant. Uh, we don't have enough data to know if it's more uh, uh, virulent or more deadly, but um, that remains to be seen. However, there doesn't appear to be any data to support that it's more more, dead, more deadly than the, the other Omicron variant. Right. And I, I can handle. I can handle getting sick uh, again. I mean, although it was kind of funny, literally like 90 days after my second Moderna shot. Oh, look, I've got the vid. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> yeah. Well, the the one thing I would tell you, and I, and I don't, I'm not a, again, I'm, I'm for the second time. I'm not a conspiracy theorist and nor am I chicken little. This guy's not always falling with me. I, I, I tend to be a realist and, and if anything, an optimist. Um, but I am deeply concerned about one thing I'd like to bring up, if you don't mind, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I don't know if you've noticed, but in Shanghai, 
the Chinese government has shut down a city oh, yeah, that's, of 28.5. Yeah, I, I've seen that. It's a million people. Yeah, and they've gone to incredible lengths to shut this city down. And in fact, if somebody's a COVID positive, that should go in the household. If there's any pets that kill the pet, they're in the home. It's just unbelievable what's going on. And 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 here's and I, I don't I don't have any information, but here's the questions I want to ask you and your listening audience. China has no shortage of opportunities to flex its anarchist muscles. So are there it's authoritarian muscles, I should say. So why are they taking a city that is so incredibly important to the Chinese economy? Not not to mention the worldwide economy. But the Chinese economy, and why are they going to such extreme measures to shut down this city? And then, what do they know that we don't know? If 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 they, you know, they've got a a, a vaccine there in China. It's not as, it's not very good, but you know, it's better than nothing for sure. And. And then they've got a lot of patients who have had COVID, so there's a lot of acquired immunity. What are they so afraid of? Right. Why are and they shutting the city down as aggressively as they have? I mean, the it, lo- doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. No, and the, the last and time they I'm had this... Of, mm, I was going to say, the last time they're shutting down a city... Like, is, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. There's a delay. I beg your pardon. Um, what what I'm afraid of is what do they know now that they're not sharing with us again? What you know? What are they sitting on this time, like they sat on last time, that that we need to know? Because I'm deeply concerned that they're going to these kinds of extremes. When you know, and I've I've never been one to underplay COVID, not at all. It, it'll kill people, but. In the face of widespread immunity, either from vaccine or from post-infection immunity, Omicron variant, we're very fortunate, thank God, it's not, it's not as deadly as uh, situations we've been in previously. So why in the world are they going to these extreme levels, these extreme uh, uh, circumstances to, uh, to prevent the spread of the disease outside of Shanghai. And what makes me worry, Tyler, is that there's something that this virus may could have possibly mutated. And again, I'm 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 not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. I'm not trying to be chicken little, the sky's not falling. But if you look at their behavior for the Omicron variant, which for most people is a bad cold, and I hate to underplay COVID, hear me loud and clear, I don't mean to do that. But but let's face it, the Omicron variant is, is has been less lethal. Why are they doing this? I don't understand it, and I'm really really worried about. It. Yeah, and because the last time we saw them literally welding people into houses was at the start of the pandemic in Wuhan when we had no clue what was going on. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party did not want to share anything with the re- with the outside world because you know, they were trying to downplay and ah oh, there's this weird cold um, just just ignore the guys the welder over that by the apartment building and it was absolutely insane and you know 
getting into like geopolitics, up until that point, Hong Kong was a hotbed of anti-Chinese government uh, pro- protestation. Then suddenly, coronavirus happens, and everything just stopped in Hong Kong. And it makes me wonder if there, maybe there was something similar going mm-hmm. on in Shanghai uh, that they're just using this as an excuse to put the kibosh on. But then again, I don't know. I, they, they don't, they don't want to share anything yeah, until their, you know, their hand is forced. And even then they're probably going to lie about yeah, it. And I, yeah. And I don't, I don't know either. And, and I, you know, I, I mean, but I, I do raise the question because it is deeply concerning to me. Absolutely. And it's, you know, watching those videos, it, it's like 9-11 falling man all over again. You know, you have people who would rather jump out of a high-rise building than starve to death because they can't get supplies. And it's right. absolutely disgusting that it's a government. I mean, it's it's Mao and his five-year plan all over again. It's it's scary. Yeah, it's, it is frightening. Um, it, uh it sure would be nice to have a government uh, leadership in the U.S. that would actually stand up to this kind of behavior, uh, but uh, and call it like it really is. Um, but that's not what we have right now, unfortunately. Unfortunately, all right, uh, Jerry. I want to thank you so much for taking the opportunity to uh, come on the show with me and talk about your book. Tell about your experiences over the last two years treating this virus. Thank you so very much. You're very welcome. Uh, and uh, if I may uh, do some, uh, what is it? Shameless self-promotion. Oh, sh- shameless uh, plug all you available. want. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Kindle and Audible. And I read the book. Uh, so uh, if you, if you get the Audible version, you're going to listen to me, read it. Uh, in my Southern drawl. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but there, you can also go to fightcovidandwin.com and you can get it there. We also have these, the, the, the treatment protocols are, are quite complicated. And when you're sick and you're having to keep up with all these different medicines and when you take them, and did I remember to take that one or did I forget? We, we actually did an easy to follow, uh, calendar and journal, which is also available uh, at the website and also on Amazon. And it lays flat, it's spiral bound. So it allows you to track your way through the illness or your family member, member's illness and keep up with all of the medications and the dosing uh, through throughout the treatment period. So uh, again, fightcovidandwin.com on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, Audible, and Kindle. So um, it'd be very helpful to me. Uh, if, if, you, uh, if you go online and get it, uh, please be kind uh, and go leave a review after you've read the book. If you... Uh, give an honest review. If you think I did a poor job, hey, I'll 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 earn that and take that black eye. But if you think I did a good job, please, please, please go online and take that as well. Um, it's interesting, Paul. I'll tell you, I, I got a one star review on uh, on a, uh, Audible from Great Britain, and you're gonna love this. Oh boy, you're gonna love this. So this guy, my my publishing consultant and editor, did research on this guy. Okay, he gave me a one-star review, and he said, bad uh, quality, bad quality. And what we found in researching this guy, he's actually a personal friend of Hunter Biden's. Oh. And he gave, he gave Hunter Biden's <laughs> memoirs a five-star review. Oh, my. But he gave, 
He gave fight COVID and win a one-star view. And I got to tell you, of all the reviews I brought up on your show, I brought up the one one-star review. I didn't bring up any of the five-star reviews because I'm more proud of Hunter Biden's friend giving me a one-star review. I, I mean, I just think that's the best thing in the world. Oh, that, that's and, like... uh, and, hey, <laughs> Yeah, it's a badge of honor, Tyler. Uh, that's uh, that's like on my uh, Apple Podcast. I have one one star review where I'm uh, described as poorly researched, talk about myself too much, and a wannabe Alex Jones. That that touched well, me right here. It feels well, great. I know it, it hurts. It it really is painful. <laughs> I, I tell you what. Uh, go online, leave a review, and maybe Hunter Biden's friend will come give you a one-star review as well. And I will take it with a badge of honor. All right, Jerry, again, yeah, thank you so much for <laughs> Yes. Thank you so much for coming on, Jerry. Uh, thanks so much. Stay healthy and keep up the good fight. Thanks, Tyler. If you need anything, you get in touch with me. I am at your service and your listener's service. Uh, you can go to covidcare247.com or urgentcare247.com or fightcovidandwin.com. If you need anything, you contact me. I'm at your service. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep. So, again, I just want to give a big, big thank you to Dr. Jerry Williams for coming on the show and talking about all the stuff that he has learned over the last couple of years. It has been a great conversation. I think more conversations like this need to be had. If you like this episode, if you like this show, do the same four things I ask every week. Number one, please subscribe. Get those numbers up. It's great. It helps more people find the show. Number two, rate it. Five stars, all except four. Three and below, we need to have a talk. After that, write a review. Say something nice. Or leave me a one-star review and call me Alex Jones. I don't care. I'll Go off of my impersonation about turning the friggin' frogs gay. It's what I do. And lastly, please share this episode. This is one of those episodes I think people really need to share. Send it to someone who maybe they've had a lot of questions about COVID, about why the medical community has acted the way they had over the last two years. Or maybe someone who thinks that all the doctors are just this monolithic, you know, frame of thought. Please share it. Get out there. I want people to hear what Dr. Williams has to say. So again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay relentless. The Tyler Morgan Show is a relentless daring media production. The Tyler Morgan Show is supported by its listeners. To support the show, go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show to donate there or relentlessdaring.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page to set up your donation. All music used in the Tyler Morgan Show is used with permission from purpleplanet.com. Link in the show notes. 2 Timothy 1-7